Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to Brothers in Song. How's everything with you today, Joe? Daniel-san, I just finished watching Cobra Kai, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I have that in my head, so I just had to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, th thanks for that one. I, <laughs> in another life, I sat in a cubicle with a coworker who called me Danielson constantly, like so, <laughs> so frequently that I had to ask her to stop. No I kidding. was like, can we just like give it a rest? <laughs> she must have uh, had those Ralph Macchio vibes, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I am a, a, a short Italian guy, so I don't know. Actually, I don't think he's that short, but no. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, 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 yeah. I'll I'm, look that I'm, up I'm, on IMDb I'm doing kicking off the year you know it's you know snowing connecticut i hear it's we're about to get a cold front it's going to be like a high of 20 for the next week so that's always a barrel of laughs you know right yeah <laughs> perfect perfect podcast listening weather that's right um you know and by the time this episode comes out i don't know if it's too late to say happy new year according to larry david i don't know but we're saying yeah, it anyway we make our own rules on this podcast that's and, right. and for the That's listeners, right. you can't see it, but we both have our knit hats on, so we're we're in the season, you know, of winter. Well, you know, when you have a a uh, you know a more masculine hairline, that's um, sure. you know the result of a high testosterone level. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you gotta you, you gotta have uh, something to keep your wow. keep your head warm. Protect that money maker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to. To kind of start things off, um, I would like to let the folks know of uh, some plans we have for the show in, in 2022. Um, we're, of course, going to be bringing you our thoughts on a wide variety of different albums, as we've always done. Um, but we're also going to be doing some episodes on different musical topics. Um, we love the album discussions, but we, we want to give uh, the listeners and indeed ourselves uh, a bit of variety. Um, and... Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping to have a few more guests on the program as well. I'm kind of playing it close to the vest, but I got a couple of ideas. I love uh, guests. So we, yeah, so, love we can guests. Get, so we can get a different perspective on things. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, so, you know, keep keep your eye out for, for that stuff. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Brothers and Songs so you can keep up with the latest. And to start us off with our topic today... I, of course, have a question for you, Joe. Uh, is there any music or any movies or TV or any sort of cultural trends that you've purposely been resistant to participating in, you know, simply because, like, the popularity was too overwhelming? Uh, and then you found out later that it was actually good. Sure. So couple couple of thoughts about this one is that there have definitely been times where i just missed the boat totally missed something it was great <laughs> had to catch up yeah uh not 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 exactly the premise of your question but you know some things that i'll throw out like that i was very late to the game on i think breaking bad was one i feel like mad men i was pretty early on on that one um uh, but those were just like fantastic, even better than advertised. Like when you hear the hype and then you actually see mm -hmm. it and it actually exceeds the hype, it's pretty cool. Um, 
from a music perspective, I feel like Fun was a group where I was just like, I don't even know who, like, I was, I was working somewhere and they're like, hey, there's a concert. Our company has tickets. If you want to go see Fun, I was like, Fun what? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then lo and behold, I found out they're awesome and maybe we should uh, explore them on a later episode. But I think the two that are probably uh, the most present in my mind are actually not music, but are uh, movies and, and well, well, I'll give you, I'll give you one. The movie one was Star Wars because our family was not a Star Wars family. And okay. I don't think I saw those movies until I was in my late teens, early 20s. And I think they were pretty great. And it wasn't like I was avoiding them, but it was just like, oh. And, like, I'm not that kind of kind of person, but they are pretty cool. And uh, all the different variations that have come out of that world, I, I, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm never going to be, like, an expert and know where uh, all the intergalactic planetaries live but uh i appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> um the second one which probably uh probably I, I was probably just quite old enough where it was cool to say like i'm just gonna ignore this but then eventually got roped in was the harry potter thing uh which i was not into and i knew people who were like voraciously reading those books as they came out and I was like, I don't get what the big deal is. And then, you know, one Christmas break in college, I decided to do it. And I read like five books in about two weeks. So wow. uh, I appreciate that one. And I don't know if I was avoiding it or or just kind of never made the time for it. But it was well worth the effort once I dove into it. So th those are my two, who, which I think... You know, those are probably two of the more most popular things in pop culture. Um, yeah, so, for sure. Uh, I think that those are two that I, I really can say like I was very late to the game, but very much appreciated them once I, uh, I discovered them. What about you? Do you have any that kind of stick out in your head? That kind of thing. Uh, well, perhaps the the topic of our of our show would be the uh, would be the one that you know that I'm going to talk about right here and right now. Uh, well, there you go. Beautiful segue. Yeah, there you go. Beautiful segue. Oh, and I do want to mention that it's funny that you said you talked about the band Fun because we are going to mention that briefly uh, in my intro to this. But without right, further cool. ado, um, today we're going to be talking about Taylor Swift. Uh, and I think I would still be, you know, kind of dismissive or, or not really care about Taylor Swift if I didn't have people in my life constantly telling me, you know, how good she, she actually is. Um, and the album that we're talking about today, uh, is the album that she released as a surprise. And, you know, as a part of this intro, I don't think we need to get into who Taylor Swift is. Uh, I, I'm feeling like if you need some background on her in this case, I'm really going to insist that you learn how to use the Google machine. Um, <laughs> uh, because she's, you know, a very 
culturally relevant figure and, and obviously a very popular uh, musical artist. Um, I will give a little bit of background on this album, though. Uh, this was something she conceived of after her, her tour was canceled, uh, you know, following the start of the pandemic that, you know, we're all still dealing with. And it was produced in conjunction with uh, Aaron Dessner of the the band uh, The National, which is an indie band that, that I like, and uh, Jack Antonoff, who is the who is the brains behind Fun, which is a band mm-hmm. that you like, yeah. And uh, you know Jack Antonoff, he has his own band called Bleachers, and they released an album or two, just, mm-hmm. uh, got some pretty good songs on it. And, but right, but now he's just you know kind of uh, you know producer extraordinaire. Um, uh, musical we're, we're... mercenary is what I would like to call him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. He just flies around the world making hits and uh, yeah, don't get in his way. <laughs> you know? Right. He's like the Mutt Lang of our day or something. Um, but uh, you can kind of hear their influence all over this thing. Um, and it's uh, it's more this album is more intimate and less poppy sounding, you know, compared to earlier Taylor Swift stuff. And I think that's I think that is reflective of you know, the time that it was released, um, you know, with sort of like the the withdrawal and the introspection and like the tightening of social circles that we were all kind of really experiencing during the early months of the pandemic. Um, so, uh, you know, this was my pick this week. So I'm going to let you, you know, have a first your first crack at this. Uh, you know, what were some big takeaways for you regarding this album? Well, I think... First and foremost, it's it's pretty amazing. Some of the stuff that came out of the pandemic, it's kind of like uh, unexpected consequence in the best way where like people just create things because they have nothing else to do. And they're, they, you know, and, you know, this is what came out of it, which is pretty remarkable. You know, she wrote it in a couple of months and, you know, uh, it's a lot of it is based on her own life experience. A lot of it is based on, you know, just her own creativity and, and thinking up of different scenarios. So I found that like really compelling, you know, I was not with this album really. I think my wife, and my daughter listened to it together when it first came out and they liked it. Um, I knew a little bit about Taylor Swift. Like it's kind of hard to miss her. And I always thought she was, you know, talented and, you know, definitely was, um, you know, this generation's like one of the one of the more uh, prominent voices as far as like a singer songwriter. And frankly, this was, as you alluded to uh, in your intro, like this is very different from a lot of her other really poppy stuff. Um, and I thought, you know, the the fact that it's so restrained which we kind of celebrate on this podcast i think in a lot of instances threw me a little bit especially on the first listen because you really do have to listen closely to hear all the nuances and to understand the lyrics but at the end of the day it's it's kind of pretty amazing putting all this stuff together um and it's one of those things where 
it's maybe not the most uh, lyrically, um, I should say musically, like the lyric line of the music is not like something that's like, oh, this is like a banger, right? There aren't a lot of songs mm-hmm. like that in this album, but still, it's quite affecting, and there are definitely some cool musical elements to it. But I think more so than anything, it's just the storytelling and the way that she can tell a story through a song or through several songs in, in, in certain instances. And, um, you know, it took me a while to get into it, but I definitely didn't hate it. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be listening to it on repeat, but it, it was it was definitely something that um, I appreciated. Um how about you? What what were your initial thoughts of this? You know, I think you're a little bit more familiar with her other work than I than I am. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, uh, it's just kind of hard for me to avoid. You know, since my you know a couple of years ago, you know, my son and his mom went went to see Taylor Swift at uh, uh, the Meadowlands. You know. Mm-hmm huge stadium concert and stuff so there was definitely um you know taylor taylor swift being played you know around me um but i'd always kind of slept on her music a little bit because you know she had all these really catchy pop songs and like the hooks were like i don't don't know how to put this without sounding like i'm being uh, disparaging um the hooks were just like pop devices that like the whole point was to like get it, you know, get it stuck in your head and make you make it memorable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But then over time I, I started to gain more respect for her uh, as a lyricist. And, you know, when there was backlash against her because she's, I don't know, writing breakup songs or whatever, like that I, totally didn't understand um uh i i i wanted to listen to it and like see what see what the deal was um but to your point i started to understand you know what her hardcore fans you know liked about her so much i i feel like not only with her with her pop stuff but also on this album she has a great way of writing an easily understood lyric that kind of gets to the core of what the feeling and the tone of the song is. Um, and the lyrics are also very illustrative, um, but she manages to avoid sort of like pop cliches while she's writing this very, um, you know, kind of straightforward, heartfelt music. Um, so that's, you know, that's a skill. Um, you know, that's that's oh, a great skill that, that she has. Yeah. Uh, so my big takeaway was I love the lyrics on this thing, you know, musically, a lot of it is pretty simple and straightforward, which is, which is totally fine. Uh, and that kind of thing actually creates a good background or, or backbone for, for the lyrics, um, because then they can, you know, kind of be front and center. Um, and I think the, she and the producers do do just enough to keep things interesting um there's quite a bit of like ambient sounds you know filling out these you know simple compositions 
and everything's really low key, but it also kind of has like this burning intensity beneath the surface. Um, sure. So, you sure. know, so overall, I think it's a very polished and, you know, cohesive work, you know, on, on the whole. Uh, were there any were there any favorite tracks that you had or any that like stood out to you? Um, there were. The number one thing about Taylor Swift that is not something that I love is that some sometimes if you listen to a lot of her music and kind of blend together, like there's a lot of like same similar sounds, similar themes in the in the lyric writing. But for me on, on this one, uh, you know, the last great American Dynasty, I thought that was that was a very cool song. Um, the song with Bon Iver on it was, I really liked, uh, Exile. Um, but I think for me, the two that kind of stood out were My Tears Ricochet and um, Illicit Affairs. Mm-hmm. Those were the two that, like, you know, when we prepped for these, we probably listened to the album a handful of times. And every time those came on, I stopped what I was doing and was like, usually like it's on in the background or I'm doing something else. And like, those are the two that like make you stop for me at least. And, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, but I think probably the one that I, I appreciated the most was my tears ricochet. And I don't know if that was that, I think, I believe that was one of the singles. Um, and that one is is just great for so many reasons. It's like so personal, um, just beautiful from uh, you know from a musical standpoint, and um, that's the one that really got my attention. What about you? What 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 were some of your favorite tracks on this one? First, I have to say like. My Tears Ricochet was also very good. It's like, I'm making my notes and I'm like, I know I'm going to forget something. And that one was one I forgot. And I'm like, how could I forget this? Like, you know, if I'm dead to you, then what does she say? Like, if I'm dead to you, then why are you at the wake? You know, mm-hmm. you know, cursing my name, wishing you stay. Like, that's that's some great lyric writing right there. I can't believe I forgot to like make it just make a little note about that one. Um, sure, sure. So, um, well, I'm glad at least now we have like, we have different favorites, which sometimes yeah. we end up on, <laughs> at the same spot, but I'm glad right, that right, I pulled right. one um, under the rug for me. I do want to talk about last great American dynasty. And, and, and I think, I think we should, um, sure, but probably, sure. but probably my step, maybe like, I think that one's maybe my second favorite, but my first favorite is the one, which is the opening track. And, you know, as far as, um, you know, the chords and the rhythm and what have you, like it doesn't get any simpler, but like I said, in my initial impressions, it it's just a great backbone for some really poignant and well-crafted lyrics. And, they do, again, just enough with the instrumentation, with the hand claps and the vocal harmonies and the strings that that come in uh, later in the song, you know, to keep you to keep you interested, and it kind of like builds in a subtle way. Um, and it made me think about 
not in the sound, but maybe in the subject matter, it, it made me think about uh, in like the 80s light rock genre. I feel like there were a lot of these sort of bittersweet love songs where the theme was basically like, man, this relationship was great. How did we fuck this up? Like, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. kind of the kind of the theme of, of that song. Um, and I don't think I've heard that type of nuance in a lot of mainstream music today, you know, because relationships are really complicated. And, and I think a lot of current music seems to, you know, you, you get like two types of love songs, like, you know, we're awesome and this is magical and we're meant to be together or like uh, the other songs are like reduced to like, whose fault was this? And, you know, those kind of those kind of like absolutes don't leave room for questions. And I think there's always there should always be room for questions around relationships because humans are complicated and we do dumb stuff, you know. Um, and I think and I think this song kind of uh, encapsulates that like bittersweet nature of a relationship that was like pretty good but somehow it just didn't work out and like you think about it sometimes you know i think you're exactly right about that because you know i imagine she has had many different types of relationships in her life and some of them worked out well and some of them didn't and some of them are still going and i think that song in particular uh really does a great job of saying you know Sometimes things don't work out and it's nobody's fault and they don't work out. And that's fine. Um, and, uh, but I think more importantly, it's just like through this album entirely, it's all about relationships. And I feel like that's, you know, a pretty clear theme throughout, you know, all of her music. And the way that she approaches it is really pretty interesting because some of it is like in a, in a, you know, I don't want to say foolhardy way, but something that's like lighthearted or it's like, oh, yeah, this, you know, I had this teenage romance. It had this huge impact in my life. And, you know, then we move on. We grow up. We get older. And and I feel like some of the songs in this album are, are related to that. Like I think about Betty or August or the cardigan. Right. The, mm -hmm. Those are all. um songs kind of like depicting a specific type of relationship um but i think one track in particular that we both mentioned that i think is worth talking about you know in a little bit more detail is uh the last great american dynasty because like that i felt like that was like a totally different song in this album like from the rest of it like in its tone and it's and its performance and everything related to it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of documented history about this um, that I feel like you're looking at me like, you know all the history, so please give it to me. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I'll just brief everybody. So, um, so this song, in this song, Taylor Swift is kind of drawing a comparison between herself and... Rebecca Hartness, who was 
an artist and composer and patron of the arts who married a, into the Standard Oil fortune. Um, and Taylor Swift became interested in the history of this person because she bought their Rhode Island mansion, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, on the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and Harkness, uh, Rebecca Harkness was known for being, you know, kind of eccentric and throwing these lavish parties and in general kind of, you know, not giving a damn what others thought about her, you know, which, you know, in New England in the 1940s, like you can kind of imagine, uh, you know, there was a lot of pearl clutching uh, at, you know, at eccentric artistic people. Um, And, you know, so Taylor Swift became fascinated with her story. And then the song, you know, does a great job of telling that story and then sort of drawing, you know, comparisons between you know, Harkness and herself. Um, And I kind of think the overall theme of the song is, you know, even though, even if you can't like obviously relate to being a rich uh, heiress or, you know, a rich pop star, I, I relate to the themes of You're not a rich heiress or a rich pop star? I hate to break it to you. Are you serious? I I hate to break it to you. Um, you know, I knew you had all of these all these expectations of me, but uh, I'm not, alas. Um but you know, I think that song speaks to me because you know, it's a song about owning your own desires and like own and like just having agency and doing your own thing in spite of what your social set, your peer group or society at large thinks of you. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. you know, and in listening to that song, I had like a kind of a surprisingly uh, emotional reaction to that, you know, because mm-hmm. as we've talked about on the show, like we're both musicians, you know, sometimes musicians are kind of at, at the margins socially, sure. whatever it is yeah, in yeah. our brains that makes us, be into music or art or whatever uh can you know leads to like being detrimental in our other aspects of our life yeah and other aspects of your life like to put it (laughs) put it more succinctly yeah um so so yeah so those those are my thoughts on that and i think i think it's a pretty pretty great song for those for those reasons um uh what were your what were your thoughts on that well, I just think just the tone of the song really fits it because it feels like it's like a party song. And like, mm-hmm. obviously it's not, but I think that that was like so clever to depict that sort of feeling with the melody and with the instrumentation, with the chorus. But then like, obviously it's it's not truly about that. And it's telling a very distinct story. Like it's, there's, I mean, there's some imagery in it, but it's not like, it's not telling a story through metaphors, right? Like there's some like very distinct uh, recognition of like, oh, this is going to be the last, 
the last of this great family is going to die, basically, right, <laughs> in the mm-hmm. song. So, um, so I thought that was, you know, the fact that she's leaning into this history, I think, is really kind of clever and, um, you know, makes for a great song. And the fact that it's very different from everything else in the album, which I, I would say, like, we're not at nitpicks yet but i would say like the one thing i would say about some of this is that some of her songs can start to sound similar over time right so having something like this in the middle of kind of a lot of like singer songwriter like having that indie flow feel to it like having this one in the middle of it feels feels like a good kind of like shaking up the room type of song um and speaking of shaking up the room types of songs, Exile, I thought, like, that was so cool. And it was, you know, you get Justin Vernon's, like, deep baritone mm. opening the song, which is, like, totally unexpected the first time you hear it, right? Um, but the way that they kind of play off of each other in that song, I thought was really great. And this is Taylor Swift album, so I don't want to talk about other artists too much on it. But I felt like including that in it, and maybe it was just like the circumstances in which you're making this during a pandemic, you're trying to, you know, crank it out. You have all these collaborators working with you and you incorporate it into this album was really just, I thought, really smart and really added a whole new dimension to what we had been hearing because it's all her, which is not bad, but it's just, it's all her. So to have a little bit of variety in that, I thought was really cool. And the way that they structured the duet was smart, where it's a little bit of back and forth. It's a little bit of call and response. Um, and uh, I really like that one as well. I, I don't know. Did you? I mean, that must have stuck out to you, right? Because just because. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's really hard not to because yeah. you know because of all the reasons that that you mentioned. Um, and. It, um, I think it has a lot of the same similar themes to, to the one, you know, that, that I talked about before, Mm -hmm. but whereas the one is kind of like reflecting on that relationship that you, you know, that was good and that you worked on, but you just, you know, you just couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. Exile is more like, this is what's happening in the in the thick of things. Right. Right. You know, where you're, where like each, uh, you know, each member of the relationship is trying to advocate for themselves, but it's just like not getting through to the other person. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it's, I just think it's really, it's really well done. And, um, just reminds me of like, uh, it reminds me that I should check check out, you know, Bonnie Bear's music, which is something that seems like it should be, you know, right in my, you know, right in my wheelhouse of, of something that would be, be interesting to me. But for some reason, I just never, uh, just never looked into it. So, um, you know, that's something that's gonna, same thought. yeah, yeah, that's something <laughs> that's definitely going to come out of this. Um, so you... You mentioned uh, uh, nitpicks, so should we 
get into our, our nitpicks and, and some criticisms that we that we may have. Do you want to go first? Well, I, I, I guess, you know, the way this album is structured and I, I can't help to think it's it's really intentional, which I appreciate. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I think you and I talked about this. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but, you know, when we listen to albums, we try to listen like for this show, we listen to the beginning to the end. And, uh, you know, recently Adele released a new album, Adele, somebody who, who we both really admire and love her music. And she, she basically laid the smack down on Spotify. It's like, you got, you all should not be shuffling my new album. Stop it. Yeah. I put it yeah. this in this order for a reason. Stop. And, with that being said, I feel like Taylor Swift, with this album, put it in a very intentional order. But for me, the back half of the album seems, I don't know, it, like, especially from Epiphany to Betty to Peace, I don't quite understand what that's trying to do together because it's documented that Cardigan... August and Betty are kind of all about the same relationship and all about the same story. So you're mm -hmm. splitting all those up. Epiphany is another one that I liked, but it's very much, for lack of a better word, it's kind of like a non sequitur in the entire album. It It's like its own thing, which mm -hmm. I like, but it's, I don't really understand the language between Mad Woman, Epiphany, and Betty, because they're all in order. Um, so that would be my thing, is that like the back half of the album, I'm not quite sure what it's trying to do or what it's trying to say. If you have other insights on that, please correct me. But that that was something that I, I just couldn't, couldn't quite get my head around. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, what we try to do on the show is like look at the album as a whole. And I think any one of the 16 tracks, if you listen to it on its own, is it's really good. Pretty, is pretty solid. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and depending on your taste, you're going to like some more than others. Sure. Um, sure. But as an album, as a whole piece, I think it does suffer a little bit in the back half um, because I just think like sonically things start to sound a bit the same it's all homogenized right? yeah yeah and it, and it's just a hair I, I think it's like just a hair too long like it's over 60 minutes and it's got six, 16 different ideas 16 different tracks and um i think you could make a more succinct version of the album that would mm -hmm. uh you know, with maybe 10 songs or 12 songs and, and then each song like takes on greater importance and might stick in your mind a little bit better. But okay. I don't know which ones. I mean, I the ones that we mentioned, I know are definitely not cutting those. Um, sure, sure. But as for the, you know, as for the rest of them, I mean, I feel like I would have to listen to them. I would have to listen to them like, 10 times each to decide, you know, which ones are staying and which ones are going. Um, but, you know, hey, if you're a, 
if you're a real loyal, you know, Taylor Swift fan, then you definitely don't care about any of that. And the more she, right, <laughs> the right. more she puts out, the better. Um, so I can understand that perspective too, because for a different artist, I might not be saying that. You know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, well, you know, like just... when Tool, when Tool released an 84-minute album with only <laughs> with only 10 songs on it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna listen to that 15-minute song again. <laughs> But that's, right, right. you know, but that's me. But you're one of one, my friend. <laughs> yeah, for, maybe. Yeah. I just want to make sure I clarify this for the record, because I feel like we should have been very careful when we started this. And we have, you know, we, we, we just have been, you know, what we usually do. We just are telling people what we think. But Mad Woman, which I don't, I don't dislike it as a song. I think it's actually kind of badass. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is, is it's related to Scooter Braun, who's the person who bought her catalog and wouldn't sell it to, like, she was trying to buy it, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. pay for the copyright um, laws. And that's why we have so many of Taylor's versions of everything, because she's just re-recorded so much of her catalog. Yeah. Um, and part of part of that is the conflict between those two people, which I think is, you know, bullshit, but whatever she wrote a song about it which as she should right yeah but and you know we haven't quite and we're getting a little bit long but i'll 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 just throw this out there some of my favorite lyrics one of them's from this song and it has to do with her sort of driving around um because i understand i think they live not so far from each other in la but it's it, it goes do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn does she smile or just does she mouth fuck you forever like (laughs) (laughs) that one stuck out to me it's like oh yeah yeah uh yeah and then yeah and then there's another lyric in that song where it's like um i'm paraphrasing but it's like you calling me crazy is making me more crazy yeah um (laughs) You know, and and yeah, and I mean, that's like that's like the worst thing that you can do to somebody in in, in an argument is like, you know, invalidate them like that. So, um, you know, so I, well, I, I the last understand. one, the last one I'll say from that song is uh, there's something like, um, you know, I'm Taylor Swift. I listen to Taylor Swift in my car. What the fuck do you listen to in your car? <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, that's pretty badass. N- nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's good about that, too, is that it's written in such a way, you know, I mean, we we know what it's about because we know what it's about, but it's written in such a way where it can be applied to other situations. For sure. You know, I, sometimes every once in a while I have a hard time, you know, swallowing songs that are about the music industry it's like it's i'm like this is yeah, too yeah. meta i'm like this is too meta for me sure sure or whatever but anyway yeah she i mean the woman's got away with words what can what can you say um Absolutely. final thoughts joe so my final thoughts are that i'm glad we got to listen to this one closely because i i definitely would not have done it on my own and i feel like i had 
after listening to it a couple times, I feel like the best thing that I did was I separated Taylor Swift, the singer performer from Taylor Swift, the writer, lyricist, poet. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, it's really easy to appreciate the, you know, just the talent and the songwriting. I think, you know, vocally, she she's very pleasant. She's very fine. There's nothing offensive about it, but there's nothing sort of exemplary about the way she performs. Mm-hmm. She's a good musician. She, I wouldn't say she's great, but the fact that she can write songs like that, I'm totally cool with just presenting them as they are because they don't yeah. really need much more. And, um, yeah, so I, I mean, now listening to this one, which I feel like was very much like, you know, she wrote this one when she was a bit older. So it's like, oh, so like, let's go back and listen to some of your earlier stuff, which was definitely very different, more poppy, more country. And, uh, understanding a bit more where you came from, I think is something that I need to do because I don't know that music very well, but um, you know, generally speaking, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a really great album and considering how she created it, I think it's, uh, it's really something that we should all appreciate. What about you? Any final thoughts from you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, and the, the one thing I'll say is, you know, I hope that you know, 30 years from now, when we're talking about great singer-songwriters from this period of time, the last 10 or 15 years or or so, mm-hmm. I hope that we are discussing, you know, what a great songwriter she is and that all of the kind of whatever public media perception stuff that's like, I think is really unfair about like oh all she does is write these breakup songs and be like mad at her exes and stuff like that i'm like so is 90 percent of pop music right. i don't know what you're talking about right um but anyway i hope that stuff doesn't overshadow you know her her talent um mm-hmm. and uh yeah i'm and i'm gonna leave it at that um so uh that's it for this episode you know for next week it's going to be a mystery bit of a episode, my friend. Mystery episode. Because we, we've we got a lot of ideas kind of kicking around. And, um, you know, we're not exactly sure what we're going to do next. Um, part of the process here sometimes is listening to a bunch of stuff, you know, simultaneously. And, and just kind of like going with our gut, our collective gut about, um, you know, what we do next. So, uh, again, you know, make sure you're following us on on Instagram and, you know, commenting with any ideas you have about, uh, any episodes, uh, you, you listen to, um, and, uh, yeah, well, we're happy to be back and, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure we leave some breadcrumbs for this next episode on the <laughs> for Instagram. Sure. So you got to go follow right away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, 
follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.